0: Welcome back everybody to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Friday. We have made it through another week of American politics. Lots to get into, so let's dive right in. We start off again today talking about the Biden classified documents situation. Of course, yesterday discussing the fact that another batch of classified documents were found uh, by Biden's aides and immediately turned over to the National Archives, this time at his Delaware Uh, residents. And that on its own is a fascinating and important story. We discussed yesterday the fact, and I will continue to repeat this, that even though absolutely the Biden situation is less severe, doesn't have the obstruction that Trump has in his document situation, that's the comparison of course that is being uh, made, it doesn't mean it's not still important and still interesting to talk about. And if accountability is necessary, if there was wrongdoing, um, all of that should be follow through on. Well, another interesting angle as we've gotten into already a little bit on yesterday's show in regard to this is the contradictions that are going on within Republican conservative uh, spaces on this. With Trump, when that news broke and his document situation uh, was in the news, Republicans came out to defend him saying it was a witch hunt. It was unfair. Now with Biden, all of a sudden, it's really serious and they care a lot about classified documents and it's super important to them. And CNN put together a really good compilation or kind of a little uh, split screen of a couple Republicans and the difference in their tone um, between the two situations, as you'll see here.
1: Classified documents. Here's a reminder.
2: What I've seen that the National Archives was concerned about Trump having in his possession didn't amount to a hill of being. I don't know what documents were at Mar-a-Largo.
1: Is it fair to...
0: So you can see uh, the format. On the left, they'll have a clip of uh, the Republicans saying this isn't a big deal essentially about Trump and then it'll cut to the Biden clip where they're responding to his story and how much more serious uh, they're taking it.
2: To say that investigation won't be a priority? That will not be a priority. This is very concerning. I mean, this is now the second location that uh, the president was in possession of classified documents. Look, what's the vice president doing with classified documents?
1: This is so outrageous that this has to rise to the level of there better be, this better not be a clerical issue between the archivist uh, and the, the, the former president. I've been in the Oval Office. Um, with the president. I'd be very surprised if he has actual documents at rise level of immediate national security threat. These facts and circumstances are just absolutely outrageous. I mean, this is completely mishandling of classified information. Why did he have these documents? Uh, When did he get them? Did he get them when he was vice president and then take them with him when he left? Are you gonna hold hearings? It is possible that we will hold hearings on them. If they try to prosecute President Trump for mishandling classified information after Hillary Clinton set up a server in her basement, They literally will be riots in the street. I worry about our country. If there's not a special counsel appointed to find out how this happened uh, with President Biden regarding classified information, uh, there is gonna be a lot of ink. It will hurt the country.
0: So you get the point um, there. Very inconsistent. And it's not surprising, but it should be notable. We should discuss that and call it out. Because if you're an honest actor, if you're an honest individual covering or responding to both of these stories, you would have a similar set of principles to apply to them. I, for example, think that classified information is important to handle correctly and with whoever it might be, whatever leader, whatever former president, former vice president, uh, if there was wrongdoing, if they mishandled, misplaced, did not properly protect, had documents they weren't supposed to, then they should be held accountable. I'll say, once again, it's even more aggravating to watch the Republicans handle it in this inconsistent way, because Trump's situation is even more severe, and he was obstructing in that process, whereas Biden is fully complying, and so seeing how much of a double standard they have um, in such a backwards way is very aggravating. But We've kind of gotten used to it. Inflation continues to come down. It is cooling off, and that is absolutely good news here from CBS. Inflation subsided in December, reflecting the smallest annual increase since October 2021, uh, the Labor Department reported Thursday. The consumer price index rose at an annual rate of 6.5% in line with economists' expectations. Core prices, which exclude energy and food, rose 5.7% from the year before. On a monthly basis, prices fell by uh, 0.1% between November and December as lower costs for gasoline, energy services, and other uh, goods offset increases in the price of food, shelter, and gas for heating and cooking. So we've been kind of each month checking in on the inflation report. And as a reminder, when we talk about the last month's Inflation percentage, it's the 12 months that ended in that month that's being calculated. And 6.5% is the figure there. Um, And that's what we want to see. Of course, we understand and have felt the pain that inflation has caused the United States and countries worldwide. As time has gone by, we've seen that that was definitely the aftermath being dealt with economically of the pandemic and the response to it. And um, in some sense, it could have been different. It could have been lesser, but it was going to be something. We were going to experience some level of economic pain um, just to pull ourselves out of the uh, pandemic era and the response that was necessary. And so as the months have gone by, it has uh, started to cool off. And that is good. And hopefully before we know it, we'll be back to kind of normal inflation numbers information has come out of a new book about John Kelly who was Trump's chief of staff for a period of time and the little nugget I want to talk about today this is being reported from NBC News about this uh, book and we'll look at this in a second here is the fact that apparently according to this reporting about John Kelly's time as chief of staff John Kelly for an extended period of time had to check in with Trump and talk him down from wanting to attack North Korea, nuke North Korea. Now that would have been devastating, but Trump wanted to preemptively nuke North Korea. At least that's what's being alleged in this um, reporting. NBC News has this story. Behind closed doors in 2017, President Donald Trump discussed the idea of using a nuclear weapon against North Korea and suggested he could blame a US strike against the communist regime. Uh, on another country according to a new section of a book that details key events of his administration Trump's alleged comments reported for the first time in a new afterward to a book by New York Times Washington correspondent Michael Schmidt came as tensions between the US and North Korea's Kim Jong-un escalated alarming uh, then White House chief of staff John Kelly the new section of Donald Trump versus the United States, obtained by NBC News ahead of its publication in Paperback Tuesday, offers an extensive examination of Kelly's life and tenure as Trump's chief of staff. And we'll go further, but just to kind of respond to that beginning part, Trump wanted to nuke North Korea and then blame a different country and say it wasn't the U.S. That is such a an immature way, not to mention reckless and possibly world devastating, but immature way to look at a military operation like that, a nuclear uh, nuclear war. Because, of course, if he had done that, we could have launched ourselves into a worldwide nuclear catastrophe. It could have been devastating. But he was just kind of toying with the idea. And again, John Kelly had to talk him down. Eight days after Kelly arrived at the White House as chief of staff, Trump warned that North Korea would be met with fire and fury and frankly power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. When Trump delivered his first speech to the UN General Assembly in September 2017, he threatened to totally destroy North Korea if Kim, whom he referred to as Rocket Man, continued his military threats. And we can say North Korea and the uh, North Korean government I should say, is an awful, awful regime. And I wish Kim Jong-un wasn't able to lead his country in the way that he does. But the solution to that problem is not nuke the country, devastate civilians, and possibly devastate the entire world. A little bit more here. What scared Kelly even more than the tweets was the fact that behind closed doors in the Oval Office, Trump continued to talk as if he wanted to go to war. He cavalierly discussed the idea of using a nuclear weapon against North Korea, saying that if he took such an action, the administration could blame someone else for it to absolve itself of responsibility. Again, that's not how that works. And then the article goes on to describe how Kelly would explain we can't do that, uh, Sir, that would be horrible, sir. And please, I beg you, let's take a different route. And the outlines here, the tweet he sent out in January of 2018, essentially saying he had a bigger, stronger nuclear button than Kim Jong-un. So all of this part of the book, and likely the entire book, just shows you the low level of critical thinking that was going on in Trump in these important decision-making settings behind the scenes and a little part of me is actually surprised that more horrible things didn't happen um, based on what was going on privately now bad things did for sure we know that but things like this just could have been unbelievably disastrous and it was just someone begging Trump no no, no that's a bad idea that prevented a true um, catastrophe. Let me know what you think, Luke P. Beasley on Twitter. Adam Kinzinger, former Republican congressman, was getting interviewed on a podcast and talked about Kevin McCarthy and why he's not pushing for George Santos to resign. Of course, George Santos getting caught for lying about almost every major aspect of who he is and Kevin McCarthy is just saying, "No, I mean the people elected uh george santos into office and as i noted yesterday no they didn't they elected someone with the same name he looked like george santos he acts like george santos he's in the same body as george santos but every detail that he sold to people was false or a bunch of the big ones and so the voters weren't able to actually know who they were voting for because they were lied to so much but kevin mccarthy is not Pushing for him to resign and so when you start thinking about why that might be you realize Kevin McCarthy has a tiny tiny majority And so he needs just about every member within his caucus to be supportive of him to do anything so he doesn't want to lose George Santos and He may have gotten some sort of agreement with George Santos that if you supported me for speaker then I will uh, support you and this Situation. So, take a look. Pretty stark terms here from Adam Kinsinger.
3: We have to talk about George Santos for a moment. I'm just reading a, a tweet here from Scott Wong. Uh, Speaker McCarthy says, "Well, a lot of folks here in Congress have fabricated part of their resume, and Santos will have to build the trust of voters." And he says that Santos will get some committee assignments, not the top ones. Oh God! Of course, he's a freshman. I mean, why would he? But. My Kevin being my Kevin when it comes to George Santos. They're not going to do anything about him, are they? Really?
2: No, Kevin's a piece of shit. And let's just be honest <laughs> about this because he will say whatever he needs to say to stay in power. I'm not even saying that gratuitously to be mean to him. It's just a fact. Look at him taking Swalwell and Schiff off of committees, okay, and Ilan Omar. He's saying, well, that's because you guys took Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gosar. Keep in mind, both of those were bipartisan votes, Okay. We did it because Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jewish space lasers, you know, school shootings never happened, among other things. Paul Gosar, because he attended a white supremacy conference. It's a little different. And that was, you know, a couple years after Kevin McCarthy threw Steve King off of committees for doing even less than what Paul Gosar did. So, no, on the Santos things, it's different. Yeah, tons of people can exaggerate, you know, parts of their resume. It's different than making up a whole new life. And it's different too than going from being worth fifty thousand to what twenty million dollars in a year and trying to figure out how that happened. But Kevin needs his vote. If this was a
0: And they're specifically talking about the issue of committees and how George Santos will be treated like every other member, when again, one of the most dishonest people we've seen in a very long time. And the line that keeps being used from defenders of George Santos is He just embellished his resume. Lots of people embellish their resume. But as Adam Kinzinger said there, no, he just lied. He just made up a whole story about who he was, fabricated his whole existence for the purpose of this election. This is not the example I've used in the past is I worked eight years somewhere, but on my resume, I said a decade. Okay, I embellished that. A decade sounded nicer. This is creating an entire character who is not... Uh, yourself and Kevin McCarthy is just treating him like every other member of his caucus going to be putting him on committees definitely not pushing for him to resign and it shows you as was being discussed there Kevin McCarthy cares about his own power more than anything else and so because George Santos is supportive of Kevin McCarthy will vote in line with Kevin McCarthy did vote for him as speaker Kev McCarthy is going to now have George Santos' back. And that is so wild and seems to go against what would be a normal uh, person's set of principles. Doesn't seem that hard um, of a decision to make with someone like George Santos to stand against him. You can find me on Instagram, Luke Beasley Official. Donald Trump was doing an interview with Mark Levin. And he addressed his special counsel, uh, Jack Smith, who was looking into the Mar a Lago documents investigation and other investigations. And he called Jack Smith a terrorist, a terrorist for following a lawful investigatory process to make sure uh, the facts come out and uncover if there indeed was criminality violations of the law with Trump's document uh, situation. Trump calls him a terrorist in this clip. Truly, truly unhinged.
3: This prosecutor should resign. He's got a conflict. My prosecutor this Jack His name is Smith. Jack Smith. I wonder what his name was before Smith. I don't know. Maybe it was Smith, but it seems like such a nice name, Jack Smith. Uh, he is a terrorist. He is a Trump hater. His best friends are Weissman and all of these characters, yeah. uh, Lisa Monaco at the Justice Department, one of the top officials, Deputy Attorney General. Uh, this is this is a disgraceful situation. He should resign. His wife hates Trump, probably mm-hmm. even beyond him and his wife and his wife has a sister who openly hates it, it, it like a level that you can't even believe. And this is the man that's going to give me fair this
0: so if you remember, Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed Special Counsel Jack Smith to handle Trump's investigations. And Trump is calling that a process and Jack Smith as an individual, a terrorist for following that process. Now, we talked about this yesterday, but this again shows you the difference in how what you would kind of call the liberal world versus the uh, conservative, but it's not really conservatives, kind of the right-wing Trump MAGA world, um, is treating these situations because now Biden has a document scandal of his own. And almost every liberal outlet I've looked at goes, listen, this is definitely less severe than the Trump one, but it's still important. If accountability is necessary, it should occur. And if wrongdoing is uncovered, People should be held accountable 100%. No problem with that. Look into it. Investigate it. A special counsel now was appointed to look into Joe Biden's document situation. And generally, people are okay with that, even if they're more aligned um, with Biden on politics. But in the Trump world, the simple fact that because clear wrongdoing was present with his handling of these documents and the obstruction process him trying to prevent the National Archives from getting the documents uh, someone's looking into it as should be done in our legal system and that warrants him being called a terrorist it is so dangerous and we understand the threats that come people's way uh, when Trump says stuff like this and the danger that introduces into the person's life That is completely unnecessary and you really do not see that going on in a mirror um way at all when discussing the biden document situation and the way that people who again are more aligned with biden on politics are handling and responding to that very very wild and unhinged stuff there from trump let me know what you think luke p beasley on twitter very interesting stuff coming out of the released texts of alex jones if you remember due to the negligence of his lawyers during one of the sandy hook uh trials he had all of his texts sent to somebody which eventually um, we now have our hands on and Mediite has a really interesting piece on this because one of the things being focused on is the fact that Alex Jones was texting Tucker Carlson a lot, and the concerning nature of the largest cable news host being Tucker Carlson being buddy-buddy with someone as wild as Alex Jones. But now there's really not that big of a difference between someone like Tucker Carlson and uh, Alex Jones, but still seeing this is very frightening. Leaked texts between Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones reveal a cozy relationship between the notorious conspiracy theorist and the top-rated host on cable news. In January 2020, Jones shared an Infowars story claiming uh, Democrats have a plan to confiscate guns in America. Listen in their own words. As the leftists vow to make you a disarmed slave, the piece said, it is their wet dream that they make you a victim. So that's the piece that was sent uh, from Alex Jones to Tucker Carlson and then Tucker Carlson responded I swear this uh, s-word makes me want to buy more ammo so that's the type of discussions that are going on and then later it talks about in these text exchanges how Tucker Carlson at the beginning of the pandemic and this feels like a whole different world but was wanting to take COVID seriously went to Mar-a-Lago and uh, wanted to emphasize to Trump that he should take COVID seriously. And texts in regard to this reveal that was kind of a discussion being had with Alex Jones. Alex Jones sent uh, Tucker Carlson an article that Infowars had put out about Carlson's trip to Mar-a-Lago titled, Saving America. And Carlson responded, to alex jones sending that article to him by saying i tried man and that is wild because wow how far we got from that with tucker carlson now one of the top um people spreading misinformation disinformation about covid vaccines masks all that type of stuff at one point carlson texting Jones saying if Democrats win in November, they're going to crush Fox News just as they've crushed the NRA. And we're uh, going to deeply regret letting it happen. Everyone who thought it was fine that they deplatformed Alex Jones will look like an effing moron. So, Tucker Carlson, the most watched cable news host, is buddy buddy and sharing information back and forth and being influenced by and aligned with Alex Jones, one of the wildest conspiracy theorists. That is so concerning and it shows you millions of people are getting the worst information beamed into their brain every single night when they tune into Fox News and Tucker Carlson more specifically and it is very concerning and does not bode well for the state of America. Speaking of Tucker Carlson, He recently did a segment on his show, and he brought back up Andrew Cuomo and wanted to apply something he feels like was learned with Andrew Cuomo to Joe Biden. And watch, I can't even explain this to you. Just watch the point that he's trying to make. It is really, really wild.
3: Pretty immoral. What exactly did Andrew Cuomo do wrong? He outlived his usefulness to the party. That's what he did. He stayed too long. Cuomo was in his 60s. He was white. He was male. He was someone whose demographic profile represented the Democratic Party of the past, not of the future. He talked like a mafia don negotiating garbage contracts. He was a little embarrassing. Because of that, his own people iced him and they replaced him with someone who looked the part. No one cried when Andrew Cuomo resigned. They just moved on. The Democratic Party is not a sentimental place. It's hard not to think of Andrew Cuomo when you see what is happening to Joe Biden right now. Kamala Harris is certainly thinking about it. Harris was in a suspiciously good mood today. We know this because she was talking about electric school buses again. I love electric school buses, she raved. I just love them for so many reasons. Maybe because I went to school on a school bus. Raise your hand if you went to school on a school bus. Harris was grinning the whole time and why wouldn't she be grinning? That senile white guy who claims to be her boss is finally going down, 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 down. It's a happy day at Kamala Harris's house but it's not a happy day at Casa Biden. In fact, this is pretty clearly the beginning of the end for Joe Biden. So
0: what on earth is going on there? Making so many bad points in a row, trying to make out the Andrew Cuomo situation as being because Andrew Cuomo was a white man. Tucker, have you seen the Democratic Party. There are plenty of white men who are in positions of power who aren't being pushed out. That is such a deeply vile point to make because it's trying to stoke uh, fear and anger within his audience around race and trying to tell his audience that the left Democrats are trying to rid themselves, their party of white men. It is so damaging and dangerous. The real reason that Cuomo got uh, pushed out, as the AP writes here, Cuomo was under investigation for several things, but the prevailing issue leading to his resignation concerned sexual harassment allegations that range from inappropriate comments to groping. An investigative report released last week said he sexually harassed 11 women, many of whom had worked for him or the state, other issues in play, how his administration handled data on COVID-19 related deaths in nursing homes, his $5 million pandemic leadership uh, leadership book deal, and whether friends and relatives were given special access to COVID-19 tests early in the pandemic. So those are the reasons that he resigned. Not because he's a white man. And Biden is not being pushed out with the document situation. The document situation just happened and the people on the left are just being honest and saying, hmm, if there's wrongdoing there, hold them accountable. Seems less severe than the Trump situation, but investigate it. It's so wild that Tucker's analysis can be this wrong, can be this wild and conspiratorial. And... They've been going with this narrative for a long time. The Democratic Party just can't handle white men anymore. And they're trying to not elect them. And that narrative was being said so often. And then we got Joe Biden. And so they'll never learn their lesson. They'll never admit they were wrong. They'll just say, but it's this time. This time they're coming for you, is what Tucker Carlson is trying to uh, strike fear into the hearts of his viewers. It is very dangerous. Are you ever just going about your normal life, doing your normal things, and think to yourself, huh, I wonder what's going on at Mar-a-Lago? Well, I can tell you. Chances are, someone is ranting about the stolen elections. Now, of course, they repeat this claim time and time again. Trump, Kerry Lake, all these people, without evidence. But I have a couple more examples of that for you. Just a wild brain-melting event going on here at Mar-a-Lago. Um, recently, Trump and Kerry Lake did an event together, and this is how that went.
2: The machines were broken in Republican districts. Now they had a couple of little areas, so they could say it was both tiny little specks. The machines were broken in Republican areas, and thousands of people that were waiting on these massive lines couldn't vote, and she lost by a tiny little, just a small percentage of a line and it's a disgrace and then the judge didn't have the courage to do what was right because the judges don't seem to have the courage to do what was right you know why because they're afraid because i believe they're threatened and i believe a lot of bad things happen the machines were broken
0: so alleging without evidence that the reason why time and time again trump and now kerry lake lose in court is because the judges are being threatened or Instead of believing that every judge now 60 plus with Trump's election and then the court case with Carrie Lake's election, all of those judges were threatened and that's why they ruled against you. Or you could believe the more realistic option, which is you didn't bring evidence to court and so they could not side with you. Makes a little bit more uh, sense, doesn't it? And then Carrie Lake took the stage and had similar things to share.
1: They couldn't just steal it at 3 a.m., they had to steal it right in front of our eyes. And the beauty of that is, and maybe we should be flattered by that, our movement is so massive right now that they had to grab it from us in broad daylight in in front of everyone's eyes and they've woken up a whole army of mama bears who are pissed off right now. They couldn't just.
0: So, that's something she has repeated so many times. Our movement is so massive that they had to steal it in broad daylight. Why does that... What? What is it... If your movement was so massive, you had so much support, wouldn't they have to do it more secretly? Because more people would be mad about it and would be looking out for it. But she says they did it in broad daylight. If it was so in broad daylight, as you say then it should have been really easy for you to acquire and share, provide evidence for the claims you're making. But you can't do that because there isn't the evidence because it wasn't stolen. And what the reality actually is right there, and I'm not using this term in an insulting way. I'm using it in a literal way. Is two losers of their elections standing on a stage making up A fake story to make themselves feel better and having people clap for them think about how sad that is they both lost their elections They couldn't handle it emotionally even though plenty of adults have figured out how to go ahead and concede and Get over the fact that they lost but they couldn't and so they had to build an entire False reality around themselves to make them feel better. That is sad let me know what you think, Luke P. Beasley on Twitter. Marjorie Taylor Green appeared on InfoWars to not apologize, but remind, I guess, beg people within the InfoWars audience to remember that I'm still the Marjorie Green you know and love. Because the InfoWars audience was pretty upset with her over the fact that she sided with Kevin McCarthy during the speakership debacle. And so you'll see here... The first thing i'll show you from this interview is her saying i'm still the same mtg essentially well i'm going to try to give you the floor what do you want to tackle first the agenda
3: or what happened last week with mccarthy and the, the way forward here
1: well i can just make it real short and sweet and let everyone know that that the person you see right now is no different than the person you've known over the past two years and the reason why i didn't oppose kevin mccarthy's speakership because I, I knew there was no plan uh, against him because no one else was truly running for speaker. And I was also already on board with the agenda that he had set forth and that many of us had worked with him on.
0: Well, I'm gonna try. So she's kind of having to speak to do, uh, to two different audiences um, because she gets her power, her relevance from the conspiracy, far-right, uh, block the Infowars type audience, the hardcore MAGA. That's where she comes from. That is her uh, bread and butter. But she also is wanting to get more power. And so she is saying things, for example, during her recent Fox News interview, that allude to the fact that she's learned from the fact that she used to believe things that were super wild, conspiracies, and doesn't believe those things anymore, is kind of more reasonable. We know that she's not more reasonable, but that's what she's trying to portray to the more mainstream Republicans. But then she also has to go on Infowars and say, I'm still the same person though, which scares me because I believe her, that she's still the Marjorie Green that the Infowars audience fell in love with. But what that means is the same Marjorie Taylor Greene has all the dangerous views, but is acquiring more power, is becoming more strong and relevant within the Republican Party. It's taken seriously now by people like Kevin McCarthy, which is bonkers. And that is really bad um, for the country. Next clip uh, I want to show just, you. Sorry about that. From this interview, take a look.
1: I just want everybody to understand. Here's something very important. And I've got both of them in my hand. This is the rules package right here. This is the rules package that we had on January 1st, the dates right here at the bottom. And this was before.
0: And I'm actually going to skip forward a little bit on this.
1: Nothing. After 15 ballots, uh, 20 Republicans opposing Kevin McCarthy and a lot of negotiating. Nothing changed in the rules. Nothing changed in writing. But the motion to vacate from five members
3: to one. Okay, so um, j- 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 I mean, just to be clear, I like seeing 20 members flex their muscle. I liked that the demonstration of power, kind of like Senator Mnuchin has been able to do a lot of good things. He's certainly not perfect, but he's blocked a lot of really bad things because they have a very slim majority, the Democrats too, in the Senate. Uh, you guys can now do something similarly with the 20 people you have. But what you're saying is McCarthy made a deal He's been sticking by it the two years you've been with him. He made a new deal. And so you'd already agreed. And so you're saying basically it was smoke and mirrors to act like there was a bunch of bad stuff that hadn't been done. But the truth is you basically got the very same package. that was already agreed to.
1: That's right.
0: So you heard him recap it there, but the justification she's providing to the Infowars audience that again, we looked at previously was upset with her, um, over the Kevin McCarthy vote. She's saying, listen, There wasn't a better option that was actually seriously going to win. And the concessions and the accomplishments you're hearing that got into the rules package based on the stand that these 20 Republicans took during the Kevin McCarthy vote actually were already agreed on for the most part. And things didn't really change. And so don't be so mad at me, still love me type energy. Again, I say, If she can win back the super, super MAGA, um, not that she fully lost them or anything, but definitely there was some upset energy at her in that wing and hold on to her relevance within the Republican Party in a more mainstream sense with Kevin McCarthy being an ally of hers, that is very bad and scary for the country. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you Monday.